Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this week's Tez News broad- uh, Podcast. Uh, my name's Martin George, and I'm joined by Dave Speck. Hi, Dave. Hi, hello. Welcome to your first podcast. Thank you very much. And um, Ed Dorrell, welcome to your millionth podcast. <laughs> Good afternoon. Lucky listeners. Um, I wanted to start off by saying a quick congratulations to our colleague, Charlotte Sanctuary. Who can't be with us today. Because she's probably giving birth. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Charlotte was this week named the... Education Journalist of the Year at the British Journalism Awards for Specialist Media. Yeah, such as yeah. greatness. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of stories we've talked about um, here about um, free school locations and looked after children, yeah. how they've been treated by the system. So it's really good to see her, her work recognised. She's done some brilliant groundbreaking journalism, I think especially, um, especially in the field of looked after children. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really proud of that work. I'm really, pr- I'm really proud that it's been recognised. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this week uh, we're in the middle of the party conference season. Um, we had woohoo. Yep. Some people may have noticed, maybe that last weekend the Lib Dems had their conference. What was the what was this great um, spoonerism, whatever it was? It, it was supposed to be a, was an erotic spasm mm-hmm. about Brex about Brexit. It ended up being an exotic spoon. <laughs> something. Vince Cable's finest moment. Yeah. Yeah, sadly I wasn't there for that bit. I was there the, the day before, I think. <laughs> yeah, sad times. Um, Labour kick off this weekend, and then Tories the weekend after. Um, just say very little bit about the Lib Dems. Tell us about the Liberals. Um, well, they had an emergency motion on school funding and teacher pay, which, fair enough, I just thought of all the issues they could pick, the fact that that was one of the ones they yeah. thought this is an emergency shows that actually it's politicians think it matters and it'll resonate with voters. Um, the other thing was just that, um, interesting, I went to a fringe meeting with Kevin Courtney, who's mm-hmm. the... chair did didn't he? I chaired it, yeah, yeah. And Kevin was on it. He's the, the Joint General Secretary of the National Education Union. And he was basically saying, Lib Dems are the guys who are sort of pushing yeah. education policy in the direction yeah, yeah. he wants, almost wistfully, why aren't Labour doing this? Yeah, I think that's right, isn't it? I think if um, anyone had the time or energy to look into what the Lib Dems were saying about education, I think, um, I guess our core audience would be pleasantly surprised. It's, a, it's very progressive. Mm. I mean, on pay, on funding, but on academisation, on lots and lots of the Abolish issues. Ofsted, overhaul league tables, sacks. Yeah, they, you know, they're, um, they're, I mean, they basically had their policy raft written by the NUT. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't. But I mean, they may as well have done, yeah. to be clear. Yeah. yeah. Um, more substantially, perhaps, um, Labour Party conference kicks off in Liverpool on, I think, tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. Um, Angela Rayner giving her big speech on Monday afternoon. Um, I guess the big question there, guys, is um, th- their big flagship policy on education is this National Education Service. Mm. Um, does anyone know what that means? No. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a clue. <laughs> Um, we have a piece, a beautifully written piece by Melissa Byrne, who many of our listeners will know is a, a veteran, long-term campaigner for comprehensive education, um, daughter of the late Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she writes about uh, the uh, embryonic idea of a national education service in this week's magazine. It's well worth a read. I mean, it tells you something, but it also tells you what's... Uh, it's a bit like the Rumsfeldism, isn't it? It's like there are known knowns, known <laughs> unknowns, and unknown unknowns. Um, and in the sphere of the Labour Party's National Education Service, I think we're mainly still dealing with known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Um, but from Melissa's piece, what you would take away, I think, is that um, 
heavy emphasis on early years, mm. heavy emphasis on post 16 skills, um, heavy emphasis, correctly in my opinion, on adult education, and also, possibly most importantly for our core audience, um, a focus on admissions mm. um, and comprehensive education. But uh, I think you could probably take away from this piece, which I hasten to add is excellent. Um, that there's probably still quite a lot of meat on the bone missing from this policy that might lift it from being more than a soundbite. Yeah, because I think this time last year, I think Angela Rayner published the 10 principles that would guide this, this new service. Mm. They've had a consultation in the year in between. And then I, I get the sense from people I talk to that maybe we'll hear a bit more detail about the principles yeah. next week. Yeah. I mean, and, and you sort of think about where we stand particularly with Brexit and yeah. the election. Labour could be in power in a few yeah, months' time, I mean, conceivably, and we don't know in detail what their plans are here. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, if it was a normal political cycle, you'd be saying, well, this is quite clever politics. Mm. You know, good, good opposition parties don't get bogged down in detail in the middle of a parliament. A few sound bites, National Education Service, for example. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. Drop it into Corbyn's speech, Bob's your uncle. Uh, but, as you say... God, we thought this afternoon there might be an election. Oh, I, I was almost typing out, you know, yeah, shock yeah. election. Call. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there might be an election next week. You know, the government might fall tomorrow. You know, the opposition, the Labour opposition, for better or worse, you know, he really is a shadow government. Mm. And I, I, for one, would like to see a bit more, um, bit more policy heft. I don't think we're going to see it next week, though. Well, we will we'll wait and see. Do you Maybe think we're we'll going to see it next week? I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm, but I'd be happy to be proved wrong. <laughs> Me too. Um, now, other news this week. Uh, we did a big survey at TES with the National Governance Association. Over 5,000 governors took part. It's an annual thing we do. Mm -hmm. And it asked a whole series of questions about things like school funding, teacher recruitment issues, governance, nitty-gritty bits and pieces. Um, things that came out... Unex uh, not unexpectedly, I guess, were that school funding is a real issue that the governors are seeing. And I think three quarters said that they don't think we could manage these pressures without it affecting education in their schools. Yeah, it's pretty bleak, isn't it? I mean, And of I course, next Friday, you've got a thousand head teachers marching on Downing Street. Yeah, absolutely. Which, and when you, you know, when you think these, these are head teachers taking to the streets, not teachers, these are you know, heads. heads and there are going to be a thousand of them in the street, and you've really got to sit up and you know take notice of that, haven't you? You know you've got to you've got to kind of take you know yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's a significant proportion. <laughs> There's only thirty thousand heads in the country. You know, that's a yeah. that's a significantly large they, number. They obviously feel very strongly that they've they've exhausted every other kind of avenue, and <laughs> you know they're, they're, they're you know, leaving their schools without leaders for the day. Yeah. Yep. You know, they're coming from all over the country, Cornwall, Cumbria. It's being led by... Worthless. Worthless, that's right. With a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they've made quite significant noise, haven't they? They've, they've been a really effective lobbying organisation. Uh, you know, I'd be really impressed. But the, the NGA survey, I think, really reinforces the point that, you know, schools are being cut to the bone. And... Um, and governors, I think historically are not keen to shout, mm. are really beginning to shout. Not least of all because this is an army of volunteers. They don't go into this because they want to make teachers redundant. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, no wonder there's a shortage of governors. Yeah. 
What's your hobby? Bring <laughs> <laughs> the schools and lay teachers off. <laughs> didn't this survey, it, it highlighted a huge deficit in maths teachers, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, I think it was something like almost two thirds of secondary schools. You know, governors were saying we struggle to recruit maths teachers. I mean, that, I mean, to me, that was a. I mean, we use a problem, but that's an astonishing figure, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the kind of takeaway really from the survey was that you know it's an awful thing for journalists to say. There was a, no great surprise there. I mean, but it just reinforced how mm. bad things are. We know there's a recruitment crisis, we know there's a retention crisis, we know there's a shortage of maths teachers. But that figure is stark, even within that context. Mm. I think the thing is on what we're talking about funding. Um, Institute for Fiscal Studies uh, and had their first ever education spending report on England this week. And one thing they said is the government keeps saying per pupil funding is being maintained in real terms this year and next. They said actually that's not what schools will experience because their inflation is running higher than general inflation. So actually school spending power on the ground is having real terms cuts at a time the government says it's been protected. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was, there's been, a, the government have been saying this for a long time, that real terms education spending has never been higher. They've been saying it for a long, long time. And for a long time, it just looked like a political statement. Mm to put out in response to stories. But there's this sort of groundswell, I think, a backlash that people are now beginning to say, actually stop saying that, mm. because this is getting offensive. You know, it's patently, I'd say untrue, but it's patently misleading, willfully so. And I, th I think the government needs to start thinking about the way they present these things, yeah. because it's beginning to look pretty poor. It's not sort of a, a clever line anymore, is it? No, it's, uh, no. Perhaps. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to talk about today, um, Dave, you've got a really interesting piece in the magazine um, looking at performance-related pay. Yeah. Obviously, it's something that's been you know, brought in. Do you want to talk us through sort of what, what, what you were looking at, what you found? Yeah, what, what we looked at, first of all, was some of the surveys around performance-related pay and, and that only a quarter of teachers said that it, it helped motivate underperforming teachers. And a third said it wasn't fair. Um, half said it caused them more work. And then we sort of got into more sinister, murkier findings where it was claimed that heads were using uh, performance-related pay to get rid of teachers they didn't like, um, but also to reward their favourites, you know, to mm. the school line. And then somebody mentioned that physics teachers, who we all know are in short supply, were, yep. were being lured with mm. performance-related pay, regardless of their performance. <laughs> and... Um, and then it, it kind of, we, we got, as we got sort of further in the subjects, we, 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 we got in touch with this school in Plymouth and they, they sort of pointed out to us that there are so many external factors which affect a pupil's performance, like um, adverse childhood experiences, parental attitudes. Uh, and, and besides that, how does one teacher know that, that, that they've had a, an impact on the child? It could be another it could have been another teacher earlier on in the school. That's really interesting. You know, how how do you so? Yeah, yeah. That it was that teacher, not that teacher, two years ago. Absolutely, yeah. And then, and then what we found was we, we got to this. You know, the end of it was the kind of conclusion was we found this school in Cumbria, uh, which doesn't look at, at pupil outcomes. It looks at um, how well a teacher is engaged with their own prof uh, professional learning and perform and and, and um, development. And what, what this particular school does, it encourages each teacher to go away and do a project which interests them. So it could be um, uh, 
like making their classroom more a more purposeful working environment or making marking manageable while increasing the impacts. Mm. Uh, anything that interests that teacher, they go off and they, they do it over a year and they keep a log and in July that, that log is presented to the head and the governors and they make a decision about performance related pay solely based on the log. It's nothing to do with exam dates or yeah. lesson observations. How little Johnny got on, yeah. Uh, 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 it, 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 what, the, what teachers are saying in this school is it's killing the, P, the PRP monster, mm. which is on their backs, and it's it's kind of a, a, a real sort of breath of fresh air. Yeah. So, um, showing a bit of institutional um, memory, because I've been around forever, um, when Michael Gove first started uh, broaching the idea of performance-related pay, um, his advocates, uh, the advocates for it, the likes of Sam Freeman and people like that would argue that it shouldn't have been used or should not be used for direct cold results. They never, they never wanted it to be marked against, you know, how um, Year Nine got on in their physics tests. What they wanted it to do was to reward hard work, enthusiasm, commitment, um, after-school clubs, that kind of thing. So the teachers that went the extra yard, I suppose. And that's, uh, that last example from the school in Cumbria, I think, is right on the money. Now, the problem is, of course, that Michael Gove introduced performance-related pay just before or just as the politics of austerity took off. And as we know, as anyone will tell you in any management context, the one time you shouldn't introduce performance-related pay is when times are tough. Mm. Because that means you know, there, well, there, there, there's yeah, no money absolutely. around and, and people get yeah. punished rather than rewarded in large part. I think something like a sixth of teachers were told last year that they weren't going to get PRP because of the funding crisis, yeah. and that was the reason. That was the reason. So it, it, was, it was a very poor time to introduce it. And to your physics point, it's really interesting that that is definitely a story that's going around um, all over the place. I've heard anecdotes of physics teachers phoning up schools, cold calling them, and saying, "What am I worth? <laughs> what package can you provide <laughs> me with?" There, there was. Yeah. One school was paying something like £277 a day for a, a, I think it was a physics teacher last year, and this is a story we had before before I was here, but it last end of last year, mm. uh, which is an astonishing amount for, for a supply teacher. <laughs> they were paying an agency, uh, yeah. not, not yeah. the teacher, and yeah. you, know, you don't know how much the teacher got of that. But yeah, of course. Big cost. Yeah, I think, I mean, despite the concerns you raised in the article, or other people raised, the fact that academies who... who don't have to bring in PRPs. So like two thirds have chosen to. Apparently so, yeah. So, so I mean, does that suggest it, it, it's popular with with management and senior leaders? I think it's a, it can be a useful tool, perhaps. My instinct is it's exactly the poli the, the issues that we've just talked about. Is that you know uh, academies aren't immune to funding cuts. They're not immune to um, staff shortages. It's a way of dealing with those issues. I mm. suspect. I mean. Not everyone would agree with me, but I, I think you'd be hard pushed to say that there are many academies that are wildly more right wing in their HR policies and, and, and salary policies than normal schools. Mm. I think it's just the same issues that. It's just, it's just a, a tool that they can use yeah. to, to yeah, address some of the problems that, that they might have. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Great. OK, well, look, thanks very much, guys. Um, and stay tuned to see all the details of the Labour's National Education Service. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be great. Excellent. See you next week. Bye.